Welcome to the School of Mindfulness with Kim Elizabeth. Today I have Jeanette on here with me and we are going to be discussing mindfulness and movement. I recently met her in a yoga class that I was teaching. She came to visit Colorado for a week and she was a student. After hearing her story about her fitness lifestyle, her triathlons, and the current coaching that she's doing, um, it's such an opportunity to have her on this podcast today because she's going to share with us her journey for the last 13 years of how she trains and how mindfulness comes into her practice every single day. Jeanette, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. I'm excited with that intro. Awesome. (laughs) So what brought you out to Colorado to visit for a week? Oh man, living in the city is intense. I wanted some hikes and some nature and no more sirens so I could just sleep in quiet for one week. You live like right in the heart of the city of New York. I do. I live above Broadway, so it's in the mix. And what Lifetime Club are you at? I'm at the Sky Club on 42nd and 11th, the 23rd Street and 6th Avenue Club, and the Battery Park City Club. Okay, and what do you do currently? As far as teaching at Lifetime? Yeah. I have 11 classes on the schedule. I'm a Lifetime Performer which is their name for the group fitness instructors. And I teach cycle, I teach kettlebell, I teach ringside, upper RX, and core. I also sub gluteus max out and hit classes as well and love teaching those. What inspired you to get into fitness recently, like the last three years? Yeah, I decided to focus on fitness first once I looked back at the past decade where I was doing fitness and acting and I had earned my SAG card and realized that was a big step for me in acting but other than that I hadn't really achieved sizable success in acting and a coach a a career slash life coach advised me to pick one thing and I decided to pick fitness and sure enough I feel like that was really important to singularly have a singular focus and I was able to really have massive like just strides in fitness alone um, versus when I had split my attention. Um, I was gonna say something else about that too. Do you feel like fitness is a part of your purpose? Yeah, definitely. You know what? I I thought about this. I was like, what would I rather do? Like, if I had time alone by myself, I would probably rather be working out and making up workouts than becoming a character and reading and studying a script. So that was how I chose fitness as my one thing. And I do feel like it's a personal passion. So even when I'm not being paid for it, I'm personally striving towards fitness goals. And when I'm traveling, I want to do fitness-focused things. So it does feel like my purpose to go ahead and do that as a career because it's a natural passion. And now it has become my job to become an expert at it, to help others do it, to be people's go-to person for it. And that's just a dream. It, it makes perfect sense. What is one of your favorite ways to bring mindfulness into the studio at Lifetime? I 
know that people love my class because they know they're going to get a tough workout with Jeanette. I'm sweat with Jeanette on Instagram and they always know. They, they're like, hey, it's sweat with Jeanette. <laughs> but they always know that I'm going to deliver a tough program and I'm, they're going to have fun uh, with my personality. So they're getting that and that's my job to give them a tough workout and a little bit of my personality, which is naturally fun, naturally generous with sharing my thoughts. And so it eases the tension in the room. I talk about, you know, just silly stuff from my life. And while they're in the middle of like four count negatives. <laughs> so I think that my job um, when it comes to mindfulness is to do the preparation to be able to be present with the people so that they can get all of me. And that's my definition of mindfulness, to do my preparation so that I can be present with my people so they can get all of me. How does that feel for you to show up in that space? It feels really rewarding because then I know that I gave it my best and I always feel at ease. Um, I feel personally good about what I just delivered and I get the feedback from the people, whether it's in words or in their body language, that they're truly happy. And I even see that they share on social media and it's just a lot of love around it. Amazing. Yeah, and gratitude. So you talked about with us just then, um, like your personality, your generosity, but also being present in the moment in your fitness classes. Tell us a little bit about how you stay present when you're training for a triathlon or a recent race that you've done. Well, when it comes to my training, I approach it with a non-negotiable mindset. So the way that I stay present for it, I think it's similar to being present for my students. I have to do the preparation and I have to set myself up so that I can be present and mindful. So it's the same thing with my training. I have to set myself up so that I can show up. And that means that you plan ahead and you make that your priority so your mind is not preoccupied, so your body is not tired, so your schedule is not packed. This way you can show up for every single workout and execute every single workout. So when I'm training for my triathlon that I just finished a few weeks ago, that training was two swims, two bricks, one run and one bike ride every week along with two training sessions, strength training sessions. So we're talking about 10 workouts a week where I'm putting in a lot of effort and waking up really early sometimes because it's at 5.45 um, that it begins. So in order for all that to happen, I have to plan for that to happen. I have to set myself up for success. And that means getting enough sleep, 
having my schedule set up so that I'm not stressed out and recovering and setting up all my workouts in a way that my legs are not tired from a strength training session right going into a cycling session. So it's that sort of preparation that allows me to show up for the bike ride and I'm sitting there knowing that I've done everything I need to do and I can sit there on that bike and pedal 19 miles an hour for the next hour and do it right. And that's how I can just be in the moment. And also it's a lot of things about equipment and getting to know your bike and your body and like dealing with those things so that those things are not preoccupying you. So they become a part of your process and you can count on your equipment and you can count on your body and it just becomes a matter of building instead of experimenting. Did you have to build your mindset up towards your first triathlon and can you tell us about it? My first triathlon was actually such a, like, it was almost a joke, like five years ago. That was when I just dipped my toe into the water the first time. I can't even honestly like remember the woman who did that triathlon because she did it in pink sneakers. <laughs> and I was using a bike that someone gave to me and I had no idea what I was doing. I just, it was an easy enough distance that I could fake my way through it, to be honest. And I think my fitness was at such a point that I was able to just wing my way through it. But what I could really talk about is the Ironman because that was my big decision that I made three years ago that completely took eight months of discipline and mental dedication. So mental dedication and like physical fortitude to train for. What was the mental dedication like? Like did you, for the mental dedication, did you spend time on your mindset and your physical training before training your clients? Or did you like train for this Ironman after training your clients? I had clients and I had classes throughout it. And you know, my clients and my students knew that I was training for this. I think it gives them, you know, respect for their coach. And it makes me honestly empathetic toward my students because I know what it's like to feel scared and to feel like a beginner and to be grappling with physical feats that are challenging. Um, what was your first thought when you signed up for the Ironman? Um, my first thought was like, yes, this is so exciting. And then my second thought was like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> and then when you started training for it, what was that like? It was constant emotional turmoil because it was like being confronted with the realization of how hard the, the process was and uh, reconciling that with the desire to achieve it. So it was constant back and forth emotionally. How did you feel after you did the Ironman? I felt very accomplished. What were the aspects of mindfulness that you brought into that moment? Into the moment of... Finishing. Finishing? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know what that question means. <laughs> like, 
aspects of mindfulness for like finishing were something that you felt like on the inside where what feeling came to you like other than achievement was it like self-love um I think I was very grateful for the support once I realized like a lot of my students and friends were tracking me throughout the race and they were like rooting me on uh, through the phone, the messages, but you don't see any of that because you're not racing with your phone. But I received a lot of that afterwards, so it was a lot of gratitude. It was complete relief that it was over and that I had finished it and completed it. And it was like done, you know? And then it really did feel like a huge achievement. Um, and it really increases your sense of what you're capable of. What else in your life have you made the impossible possible? In your goals and desires because that's a huge thing to accomplish like the Ironman and you've overcome a lot of stuff in your fitness career so can you tell us an, about another time that something felt really impossible that you went after and made it possible I mean that's honestly that's I feel like that really set the bar so high and after that they do say in Ironman like their tagline is, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. What was the difference from the first race to the Ironman? Like what inspired you to make that change? Oh my gosh. I mean, honestly, I really wasn't prepared to say yes to that. I just did it because I emotionally wanted it because I was in a place in my life where I was like, okay, I just celebrated a big birthday. It's time to really check off a big box in my life life goals so it's not like i had been doing triathlons up until then i had literally done one and sucked at it and then five years later was like oh okay i'll sign up for this iron man and when people hear that they're like okay that was a pretty insane thing that you did it's like one of those things where people are like i'm gonna do a marathon without training like it's one of those insane decisions but I didn't do anything without training. I then began training. And, you know, I think your question is, what was it that set me up? Or what was the difference between? The first one and the third, like the, the Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, I think it was me just being, setting such a high goal mm -hmm. and then doing whatever it took to get there. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know if I was a different person, but I definitely became a different person mm. during that process because it was such a high goal and I had to do so much to achieve it. Um, and who knows if I had done that five years earlier, if that still would have happened or if I would have given up. But at that point in my life, I didn't give up. And since then, really, I don't think of things as impossible. I just start to do them and work toward it. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> Jeanette has a lot of aligned action in her life, which is really an aspect of an empowered female. So as an empowered woman, um, Jeanette actually took aligned action to train for her marathons by, she told me a story of running to her salons to get her hair done. Jeanette, can you share that experience? 
Yeah, I was in the midst of marathon training. So I think I was getting to the point where runs were more than 10 miles. And when you're running 10 plus miles in New Jersey, you can only kind of run these like stretches so many times over and over again. I think I started to really think about running from one town to another town instead of driving, like distances that I would normally drive and or take a train to. So when I had a hair appointment, I literally Googled the distance and it being 12 to 13 miles, it was the perfect long run distance. So I just started running two hours before my hair appointment and got there like a sweaty mess, but I completed my long run <laughs> and I got my hair did. They thought I was a psychopath, but it was perfect for me. And that sort of set me up so that things like that weren't so un unusual, out of the ordinary or like embarrassing. I didn't care anymore. I started to do that for a lot of things where um, then when I moved to the Upper West Side in Manhattan, I would run down to Chinatown, which is running from uptown to downtown. Um, and instead of taking the train to work, I would run to work. And it didn't matter as long as I had a shower or it didn't matter if I was sweaty um, at the end of the run. So I would take seven to ten mile runs and just turn them into errands. I'm sure there's like other stories like that too. Oh yeah, when I was freezing my eggs and it was during COVID and I was actually getting donated medications from different women who had finished freezing their eggs, I was cycling. I would cycle like to Brooklyn um, and downtown and I put like 25 miles on my bike just like collecting drugs from different women. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it just became, it's like not a big deal to run or bike somewhere now because I think it all started with me running to that hair appointment, which seems so bizarre and outlandish. And now it's, it's just normal. How did those runs lead to your liberation today? It's a process of doing things that you just want to do instead of worrying about anything else and then building up a history of evidence of shit you're capable of doing and that you have done so that you can continue to raise the bar and not be stopped by things. And what's next for you? Uh, the next physical challenge for me is a bodybuilding competition, which requires me to put on a lot of muscle and be in a very muscular physique. It's totally aesthetic. It's all about your leanness and your muscle mass versus anything performance-based like a triathlon, which is about your speed and your endurance. So this will be a different type of challenge for me. And that's what's next for me. It's like you do like a 360 with your challenges. It's, it's weird. It's just these things that I've always had on my bucket list. And I don't know what the rhyme or reason is. Um, but I have no desire to do something like a 100 mile race. Like that's 
all for whoever wants to do it, which I have a few friends who have done it, but I have zero desire to do something like that. But I have so much to de desire to do something like, but I have so much desire to do something like a bodybuilding competition, and I had a huge desire to do an Ironman. What is your advice for somebody that is training to make something possible in their life that they once thought was impossible? I think say yes and then get started. Don't wait for all the pieces to fall into place. I absolutely did not have all the pieces in place, but you become the person you need to become as you're training for it. So go ahead and get started. That's my best advice. I say bite off more than you can chew and then just chew as fast as you can. I say, um, what is it? Instead of ready, wait, aim, fire, something like that. It's just like shoot and then aim instead of aim and then shoot. Ready, aim, fire. I'm like, ready, fire, aim. <laughs> Just get started so you can course correct along the way. It's easier to course correct with information that you've collected by doing it instead of studying and studying and studying and planning and planning and planning and not getting started. Oh, I love that. Okay, and then last question that we're going to end this topic on is what are you hopeful for in the years coming up? So we're halfway through the year. Um, it's exciting to look at the second half and still have goals. And I think it's actually perfect timing. You've accomplished a certain amount by now in the year, and it's a great time to look ahead and say, you know, am I, how can I continue this momentum or even level it up? So I have financial goals where I want to work with a financial advisor and build up my finances in a way. I've, I've gotten started and I'm really proud of what I've started already and I wanna to get to an even better place in the next six months. I have a startup, uh, it's a dog sharing app and we've come a ways since starting in May and we wanna launch by the end of the year, that is our goal. And I want, I have love and relationship goals. Well, career, I'm also teaching at Lifetime and I've been in the groove and really loving it. Uh, and now I'm ready to take on some more challenges, uh, coaching a new program. Well, I mean, it's an existing program, being a new coach for Alpha. I'm getting initiated into that and beginning virtual coaching under my, my coach who I respect a lot and I'm grateful to be able to work under him and learn how to be a virtual coach, which is a great way to scale and impact people wherever they are and you're not limited by time or being in proximity to one another. You can literally deliver everything virtually and change lives virtually. So I wanna have that literally like in, just like in high gear by the end of the year. And I want to be in a relationship with my future partner, an awesome dude. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for coming on here um, and sharing and being so vulnerable with your experiences and your goals. Yeah. And
probably definitely have you back some other time. Um, yeah, the way you're like selling Colorado to me. <laughs> it seems like it's inevitable I'll be back. Yes. All right, that's it for the School of Mindfulness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please rate this episode. Thank you.